Hello and welcome to uh, Pinot and Perfume. I am your host, Sarah Chacon, and I have finally succumbed to the damn Amazon treasure truck. My friend Erin at work got me hooked on the treasure truck. Um, well, she got me on the treasure truck in the first place. If you don't know what the Amazon treasure truck is, let's see how many more times I can say treasure truck, by the way. Um, it's kind of like... Basically, it's like a one-day sale on a particular item. So you sign up uh, for text messages, and every day you get a text saying, what's new on the truck? And it is random. Um, yesterday, it was a bidet attachment to your toilet, which <laughs> I, I briefly thought about getting, no lie, for like, it was $20, and they say you don't need a plumber to install it. And I was like, I've never used a bidet before, so I was more curious than anything, because I hear... I've heard overall favorable reviews about the bidet. So I was like, ah, this is kind of a cool way to try it out. But ultimately, there were no available, well, no convenient pickup locations near me. And I didn't really want it that much. Um, one time there was like a butcher box. It was uh, assorted meats like steaks and hamburgers and shit like that for like $29.99. Um, for Earth Day, they had a ter air terrarium. So you get the point. It's a bunch of different, just a random item every day that there's a sale on. And it's a physical truck that goes to different pickup locations. So you get the text and you say, oh, I want this uh, bidet attachment. And you click on the link and it takes you to the page. You select your pickup location. You know, it's various times and around your city. And uh, then you pay for it and then you have to go whatever time you picked up it's about an hour it's usually an hour window and so you go within that hour and uh show them the barcode that they sent when you purchased it and uh bada boom bada bing you got your stuff so today i have never bought anything from the truck prior to today and today i splurged because the what was on the truck was something called an aero garden and the model was the harvester elite i think I don't think it was a Harvester Bounty. I think it was a Harvester Elite. But anyway, basically you can grow herbs uh, from the comfort of your home. Now, I am not a gardener. I I hate it. I mean, I I my husband's got the green thumb. I do not. When we lived in our uh, previous apartment before buying our current house, we had uh, like a... He rigged up a system where it was like in different like those... You know those like big buckets, plastic buckets you can get from Home Depot? We had a whole bunch of those lined up on our balcony. We lived on the second floor of an apartment complex. So we had like a little porch balcony. Um, we had those lined up and we grew assorted of vari various peppers. Um, mo most of those were inedible. Uh, we grew ghost peppers. And I just I just think he, my husband just loves peppers and he likes to to try it. he I think he grew them with the point of maybe trying to brew beer with them. He likes to homebrew um in his spare time and he actually worked in the beer industry for a little bit um before realizing that he could make a ton more money doing contracting work. Um but beer is still his passion. But anyway, I think that's why he grew a bunch of inedible peppers. I tr we tried growing tomatoes. They worked once. You we were able to eat them. They were very tiny, but we were able to eat them. They were very flavorful. And um yeah, Again, this was his project that somehow became my responsibility to water because uh, he'd work long shifts at the brewery and he'd be like, oh, did you water the plants? No. Well, why not? I don't know. Excuse me. D whose project is this? I supported you. I encouraged your idea because I like the idea of maybe growing some tomatoes. But I never once said that I would take responsibility for uh, watering. 
and uh, watering them or maintaining the garden. But I ended up doing it anyway. So when we moved to our house, I I was straight up honest with him because he's like, what about starting a garden? I was like, you know what? With your work schedule, that would fall on me to maintain it. And we both know I'm not a gardener. And I'm not going to keep up with it. I like the idea of it, but I'm not going to keep up with it because I don't like gardening. I don't like... With the exception of like running and swimming, I don't like being outside. I don't like to do yard work. I don't like to camp. I just don't like nature. I mean, I like it in a, to a certain extent, but not into the extent to where I want to get down on my hands and knees in the dirt um, and like tend a garden. I did a little of that when we first moved to our house, not garden, but weeding, because the people who lived in this house before us tried to do their own landscaping, but they bought those really shitty plants that are basically like weeds. Not pretty. They were all overgrown. So I had to get out. We had it along part of the side of our house in the front, and then we had a little spot in the back. So I did weed those for a minute. I, I weeded those, and now it's to the point where the the soil, there's no no new weeds coming up. So I got rid of all of those. I did try to mow the lawn in a good faith attempt. And I hated it. And I actually told my husband after that botched attempt, I, well, I did it, but it was, it, I was not in shape. I try to do it in the morning. That's the one thing too. I, it, the moral of the story is I end up telling Tony we need to just uh, spend money on a, on a lawn service because we can afford it. And I'm, I'm not fucking mowing the lawn. Yard work is not my thing. I would draw the line of yard work. I will do laundry. I will dust. I will clean the showers. I'll clean the toilets. Whatever. I'll do all that shit. I don't care. I'm not going to fucking mow the lawn. I'm not going to garden. I'm not going to weed. We can hire someone to do all of that minus the garden because that's kind of, it's not like we have like a full-blown like garden that we're feeding, you know, supplying a restaurant with our bounty, you know, like, so we don't need to do that. But bottom line is I hate lawn work. And the one time I tried to... I, I mowed our lawn. It took two days. I wasn't as in shape as I as I am now. And I try to do it in the morning because the morning is when it's coolest. I want to get it done so I can enjoy the rest of my day. But the thing is, in the morning, that's when all the dew was on the damn grass. And so I was constantly, we have like one of those lawnmowers that you just got to constantly like charge up, like pull the, the string to get it to go. So I was doing that. It took me like five giant pulls to finally get that going. I would mow for like a little bit and then because the grass was so wet, it would clog it and then it would stop. So I would, every so often I would have to stop, unclog all the stupid wet grass and, uh, and restart it. As you can imagine, this probably didn't, uh, this took a long time. It took me like a couple hours just to do our front lawn and we don't, we don't live on a big lot. I don't even think it's a full acre. I think it's like uh, maybe a quarter acre, maybe a couple quarters of an acre. I don't know. It's not a big, we live in a neighborhood. So you can just imagine in a, in a neighborhood, uh, the average size of a yard. And so that was on a Saturday and I wanted to die. And so then I was like, well, fuck, now I got to do the rest. So that on the Sunday I did it and I finished it. And I told my husband, no more, no fucking more. And talking about this is bringing up all this frustration I have about yard work up. But anyway, this hyd- hydroponic, this arrow garden thing I was reading it and basically it takes all of the stuff that I don't like about gardening which is like I said being outside and not being good at it and it kind of removes that so it's like this like little little spot I was reading it I think you can have room to grow like six different herbs depending on what you want to grow now sometimes you might have to can't grow like six different vegetables and herbs if it takes up a lot of space so you got to kind of finagle that but 
assuming you have room, you can grow up to six different herbs and you can set it on like your kitchen in your on the kitchen counter just dedicate a little bit of counter space to it it doesn't use soil it uses water and it comes with plant food it comes with a whole starter pack of the herbs it has a hood lamp that can dim and turn on and turn off when your plant needs light and how much light it needs it can adjust it's got a vacation mode to where your um I guess it can slow the plant growth so your plants are still doing well when you're away and you can't, you know, can't get back to water them. It tells you when you need to water them and it tells you when it needs more plant food. And I have been doing a lot of cooking recently that requires fresh herbs and I don't know if you have ever tried to buy herbs at the grocery store. It's pretty fucking expensive. Like I've got some thyme and some parsley that surprisingly has not gone bad yet. Like it's not, it's still smelling good. It doesn't smell like weird it's not moldy it's not slimy I've had it there for quite a while because it's like $3.99 $4.99 for like a, a a thing of like the the time in a little plastic box thing I've got rosemary in the same way the parsley I got an actual like a head of parsley but it was from Whole Foods so it's still kind of bougie and kind of expensive so I've been hanging on to those Granted, they haven't gone bad yet, but I've been hanging on to those because it's like I don't use them as often as I, I just needed them for like one recipe, but I just can't bear to throw them away because they're still good, but I'm just not going through them as quickly as I would like. So I figure this stupid arrow garden has a more expensive upfront cost. I think regular price is like 126 on Amazon. The sale was 89 bucks. So with tax and everything, it was like $95. Still kind of expensive, but the payoff would be I wouldn't have to go and buy um, herbs from the grocery store. I could just snip, snip right on my kitchen countertop. It makes it idiot proof. It seems like it's very easy. The reviews are very positive. So I was like, I'm going to splurge. I'm going to buy it. I picked it up from the treasure truck and I have yet to set it up. I'm gonna, going to do that this weekend. Apparently it's very easy. So I'm very excited to have some herbs. Um, so that's a whole, whole tangent. Um, speaking of cooking, I like to, I have been, I've been trying to practice cooking. I like to say because I'm a foodie, but really it's more because I'm, I'm cheap and I'm trying to curb my spending out, like eating out as much. Um, secondarily is for weight loss. I I mentioned I'm going through a program with, through my doctor, but primarily it's to, it's to lose, it's to, uh, to save money. Um, and the weight loss is just kind of a secondary for benefit. So I've been trying to cook a lot more. My skills have, are improving. I have to say I have come a long way since the days of one pot meals, which I still love. I love one pot meals. And I love casseroles, but I'm kind of branching out, kind of honing some basic skills. For instance, today I pan cooked uh, two steaks, two New York strip steaks. I'm going to consider it a win because it was a nice like medium rare inside. However, the outside was kind of charred and not like a charred, sexy, like grilled charred. It was like a charred, like burnt charred. And the whole reason was I did not weigh my steaks before. And the recipe I used was um, two 12 ounce steaks. I think my steaks were considerably thicker than that. I did not weigh them out prior. I just followed the recipes and which the recipe called for um, a cast iron skillet over high heat with some oil you put your steaks in there, let them cook a minute, uh, three minutes on each side, and then you throw in some thyme, um, your butter, and your garlic, and then kind of baste for another minute. 
So I did that and they were slightly undercooked and I was like, oh, because I love a rare steak and I looked up the temperature of what a rare steak should be and these were like just under the cut and I, it, it was too, I didn't want a chance, you know, food poisoning. It's not worth it. I'm like, you know what, let me put these puppies back in this pan. It's still hot, whatever. So I did, I cooked them for an additional three minutes on each side. Unfortunately, this is what caused the charring because before that they were nice and beautifully brown and just like the sexy charred before. But because I put them back on and I also think because I use clarified butter to base instead of just regular butter, I think it might've, I don't know if does clarified butter burn easily. I feel like it does. Um, I think that's what did it too. So I had to use some steak sauce. Well, it wasn't bad. It was just a little bit crispy on the outside, a little bit burned. But the steak sauce covered it up, and um, I want to practice again. I mean, it's, it's, it's edible. I mean, I'd like to get it to where I, you know, can cook it to where it's nice in the sexy charred way and not like I, I burnt, I got like a burnt crust, but, you know, we're learning. But it wasn't a total loss. I've still considered a win considering where I used to be with, with cooking, trying to cook steaks and trying to cook chicken. Well, it has been a journey to try and pan see, pan cook a chicken, let me tell you. And even now, if I don't have the right recipe and I don't follow it to a T, it's still a big fucking disaster. And so for the longest time, I didn't even touch steaks because I was like, "There's, if I can't even cook a fucking chicken on the stovetop, what makes me think that I'm going to, why am I going to spend money on like a beautiful New York strip and uh, or like a T-bone and then just fuck that all up? So I didn't. I cooked steak one time and it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't like the best. But anyway, it room for improvement, but overall a very good effort. Yesterday I cooked a lobster tail. You might be wondering why I'm cooking such such, you know, high-end food. Um these were I'm just basically at this point going through my freezer and trying to cook and use up what we have left before I go do another like big Costco run to get more meat. So for Valentine's Day, my husband was home. We went to Costco and got like a six pack of lobster tails and some steaks. And so this was what was left in the freezer. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to try and cook it. Lobster tail turned out. Not going to lie. I was a little concerned because it was thick. It was a thick and meaty tail. And again, I didn't weigh this one either. Found a super simple recipe from allrecipes.com. And... um. They said to broil it. It was for broiled lobster. They said to broil it between like five to ten minutes. So I did five. And it looked opaque at the top. But the bottom of the tail looked like the meat looked like it could go in for a little bit longer. So just to be on the safe side, I put it in for another two minutes. Took it out and ate it uh, with that clarified butter. Drawn butter. Yes. Um, Ate it. As I was eating it, the top of it tasted Oh, it was good. It was a little bit chewier. Probably was slightly overdone, but the bottom was just right. But it it was opaque. But it looked like it was a little. It could have a little on the translucent side, like opaque with a slight translucence. And part of and I didn't. Part of me was like, Ooh, should I nuke this in the microwave? Can you nuke it in the microwave? Should I put this back in the broiler? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go for it because I was so hungry and it didn't even take that long to make but I was super hungry so I was like you know what I'm just gonna I'm gonna tempt fate and if I end up shitting myself then I'll know and I didn't I mean I did end up shitting myself I didn't end up puking no food poisoning here guys and so I'm gonna consider that a win and the lobster tail looked very impressive I cut it down the middle left the shell on cut the shell down the middle pulled it apart you know loosen up the meat and put some butter on that bitch along with some seasonings. 
um, well, seasoning Old Bay. And uh, it looked very pretty. I was very impressed. So I have been eating pretty well the past couple of days. And yeah, so now I've got some, and I'm going to grow my own herbs to enhance my cooking even more and to improve. And speaking of cooking, I wanted to have a red wine with my mint meal. And so I cracked open a bottle of Hendry wine, Hendry Vineyard Napa Valley Red. I think it's their red blend from 2013. This was a bottle that we bought on our honeymoon to Napa Valley uh, in December of 2017. We were married in June of 2017. And my husband has this weird thing. He likes to hoard alcoholic beverages. Like he likes to collect beer and wine. I'm all about consuming them usually as quickly as possible. So we've had this going. And Tony, if you're listening right now, I checked, we have another bottle of red. So don't freak out. But yeah, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm to have a nice steak and not have like a nice bottle of nice glass of red wine is just a crime. So I cracked open one of our honeymoon wines. Fucking sue me. Um, and yeah, so that's what I am drinking tonight and uh, enjoying my steak. So I will stop rambling and we will get into the scent of the week. So what I am wearing this week is another fragrance I purchased on my uh, trip to Paris and Belgium last year. This is from Anik Goodle and it is the Rose Pom Pom. No, sorry, Rose Pom Pom. Um, and this is an eau de toilette spray and I've got the 50 milliliter. Now this, when I first sprayed it, um, I smelled, it smelled very grassy and very kind of zingy when I first sprayed it. Now that I'm smelling it again, I get more of a citrus fragrance, which is weird because there's no citrus notes in it. But you do get, it's a floral, um, it's still got that zing and that crispness to it, and it's and it's very light, and it's very fresh, and it's a good light spring scent. And every time I smell it, it takes me back to that uh, trip. Now, it was very, it was kind of intimidating buying the perfume. I remember I had researched um, different places I wanted to visit. I wanted this to be my quote-unquote fragrance trip. Um, in 2017, I went to Paris and I stayed there for a week. It was just me. I recommend, I mean, I know people think that traveling solo uh, to a different country is very scary and yeah, it's out of your comfort zone, but I had the best time. I, I can't, if you have been toying with the idea of traveling solo, be it in the same, you know, if you want to stay in your home country, if you're an American, I'm assuming the majority of you who listening are, if you're American and you want to stay in the States, but you want to take a trip, you want to do it by yourself, go for it. If you want to go uh, to a different country, do that too. It's just so, it's nice because you can do whatever the fuck you want. You don't have to, you know, create itineraries with a group of people you don't have to like compromise with a friend or with your partner or whoever you can do what you want to do and see what you want to see and buy what you want to buy so um that was a great fun trip I just wasn't I didn't want to buy perfume at the time I was kind of on a no buy hiatus trying to use up what I have clearly I have since broken that rule So yeah, so last year I went and I wanted to at least get a few fragrances. So I was researching places to go. Uh, I was going to go to this place called Nose where you can 
kind of create your own fragrance and they kind of walk you through the different notes and this and that. And then I read an article, it was more of a listicle about the top perfumeries in Paris and Annette Goodall was one and they described the shop, which I thought was a shop that I went to because it I assume that was the address that they provided in the article. Uh, it was very descriptive. So they, they described Annette Goodall as making like, I guess like classic sense, cool, quote unquote, a cool girl sense again, kind of doing a new spin on them. And uh, they said this particular shop also sold lingerie along with a perfume. And I was like, that's very intriguing. I want to go check it out. So I, I went to the shop, which was actually um, one of the shops boarding the uh Louvre Gardens you know there's a if you've ever been to Paris there's um just a bunch of shops and and restaurants and uh cafes and currency exchanges bordering uh the Louvre Gardens which is giant like it stretches multiple city blocks and uh this um Goodle particular Goodle shop was there and I walked in and it was uh, it was your stereotypical, you know, they could smell I was American a mile away and the French uh, sales associate was not going out of his way to help me, which was fine. But the shop was so small, like I didn't see the lingerie. I don't know if there was a back room or maybe this was the wrong shop. But it was very, it was very small with the the perfume. It was just the perfumes, and the French sales associate was just just there because it was so small. I felt like he was hovering, but he was not. Like I think he was trying to give me space, but because the shop was so small. I just felt very awkward, like I wanted to take my time and, and smell each thing because, you know, never I've never experienced any good old fragrances before that point. So I wanted to take my time and smell it and this and that. And so I felt like I was kind of rushing because I just felt awkward. And I um, ended up selecting Rose Pompon. And so, yeah, so that was my experience buying fragrance there. But... I don't regret it because I do really love this scent. As I mentioned, this is Eau de Toilette, so it is very light. Um, it wears for a few hours. By the end of the day, you do need to re-spritz it if you want to uh, continue wearing it to the night, if you're meeting up with friends, going on a date, whatever. But the smell is very nice. It's very light. It's not overwhelming. You could wear it to the office um, as well as a night out. It's it's a very unassuming um fragrance the mister on this bottle I don't really talk about like the bottle components but the mister is very light as well it's it's very hard to overspray I would say that's not to say that don't take that as a challenge because you know you shouldn't be wearing your perfume like an asshole I have said this on multiple occasions I have a whole episode dedicated to it go back and listen to it if you're curious you shouldn't try to overspray, but if you typically wear an, an eau de parfum and you uh, spray it two to three times, with this one, you can probably get away with spraying it like five or six and you're still going to be good. You're not going to be offensive to, you know, polite society. So that is something that's good. With eau de toilettes, I do, what I do like is I can wear them to bed and in the morning I can wake up and my sheets aren't going to smell like them. Um, my clothes aren't going to smell like them. They do evaporate nicely so I can kind of get double mileage out of it. And, um, yeah, it's just a very nice scent. Um, so the notes of this are Bulgarian Rose Essence, Tafe Rose, Peony, Blackcurrant, Raspberry, Pink Pepper, Woody Cedar, Patchouli, and White Musks. The 50 milliliter, which is what I have, is, um, 87 euros, according to Google's official website. I have not converted that. I think, if I remember correctly, it was a, with 
the exchange rate and with the dollar or whatever. I think it was like around a hundred bucks, you know, give or take. So it's not cheap, but it's, you know, it's a very nice scent. It's especially if you want to try a fragrance house you haven't tried before. It's, uh, it's cool. I really like it. Um, so, whew, um, the olfactory tale of Rose Pompon is, uh, according to Google's website, as you stroll down Rue de Rosés in Paris, you can feel the vibrant, sparkling atmosphere along the cobblestone street, punctuated with the laughter from Cafe Terrace and, no, <laughs> I said that wrong. I said Cafe Terrorists. No, Cafe Terraces and snippets of shopkeepers' conversations. In the spring, the climbing rose bushes flower in clusters. The wind stirs their pom-pom blossoms and swirls their refreshing scent with the sweet, tangy smell of pastries. So I think it, there is a note in here that's uh, tangy and that's zingy. I'm picking up citrus, but that's not what it is. I don't know which one it is. I don't know, unless it's the black currant, that kind of kind of um, edge to it. Um, so yeah, but it's, it's a floral, it's, it's nice, it's crisp, it's clean, great for spring. This is also, I should mention, the, I would say the, 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 uh, lighter cousin of Gucci Guilty's Absolute Parfum, and I'm gonna look up those notes now. I know I read them out when I originally, when I reviewed that fragrance back in the fall, um, Ugh, I can't type and talk at the same time. Sorry, guys. Um, but when I bought that fragrance, I thought I was very, I was very concerned that I just essentially rebought Rose Pompon. But sniffing after smelling this again, and then going and sniffing the Gucci Guilty Absolute, it they are not the same. Like they could be related. Like I said, they could be cousins. Um, whereas Goodle is nice and light. Gucci Guilty can be the moody other cousin from it but it's not the same but they share a lot of similar notes and I'm trying to pull that up now um let's see if Alta's got a good description so yeah so uh the fragrance notes the top is blackberry the heart is bulgarian rose and the base is golden wood I feel like there's some patchouli in the Gucci Guilty too there definitely is in rose pompon but it's the I feel like it's more um more prominent in the Gucci Guilty. The Gucci Guilty's got a much heavier base than the Rose Pompon. The Rose Pompon is nice and light. Gucci and Guilty is it packs a punch. Um but they smell very similar. Like I said, they're they're cousins, they're not identical twins, but um I think it's very interesting. I think it's very interesting that out of when I was wanting to buy myself something, um actually it was back in the winter time with my twenty percent off Ulta coupon that I unintentionally landed on something that smelled very similar to what I already owned. It wasn't quite the same. And I I just think it's so weird that it's just happened to be, you know, that I just happened to have two fragrances that are that could be related to each other if they are humans. So that's something if you want to kind of get a feel for ro what rose pompon smells like but obviously you know living in the U.S. it's hard to sample Goodle fragrances I don't know if there's any stores I know there's no no stores in Orlando there might be if you live in like New York or Los Angeles you know one of those big cities you could probably find a boutique that carries Goodle 
on the website, goodoldparis.com. I think there is a store finder. So if you're interested, that's something you're, you are curious about, you can check out there to see if there's any near you. But if you kind of want to get a feeling for what rose pompon kind of smells like, give Gucci Guilty Absolute Parfum a whiff. Keep in mind that it's a much lighter version of that, essentially, to, to simplify it. But yeah, this is... Would I buy this again? Yes, once I'm finished. I definitely want to try, well, I have tried. I have sampled other Goodle fragrances that I want to purchase at some point, but I would definitely rebuy this. It's a great scent. And then now it's got the nostalgia factor attached to it too, you know, because I think about this trip to Paris that I took um, and buying it and even that awkward experience buying the perfume I still look back on fondly it was you know it wasn't a complete surprise you know that it's the French or I should say Parisians reputation kind of precede them precedes them when it comes to dealing with American tourists and certain times I'm most most everybody in Paris that I met on both trips are very lovely and they very much appreciated that I was trying to speak French even though I only know like two words and phrases um they saw that I was making an effort to like order in French when I went to when I would go out or um, even something as simple as going into a store during the day and saying bonjour and then at night saying bonsoir that's what their custom is even doing that they appreciate that so much I would say this is probably at the Goodle store that was probably the only instance where I kind of felt that experience that snooty Parisian you know oh you're American you know whatever but um, whatever, you, I, I was surprised it, it took me that long to experience to be on to experience it, to be honest with you. But it is what it is. I got a great scent. I think about walking through those gardens afterwards. I think about going to the uh, perfume museum um, where I got the Belle de Nuit, which was a previous scent of the week from Fregonard, um, touring the uh, Paris Opera House afterwards. It just all these memories are attached. So I, I definitely would re repurchase this. It's a it's one of my favorites. All right, so fragrance in the news. Uh, people are still talking about Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, new perfume line. Yawn, we already discussed that a few episodes ago. But I did find an interesting article from The New Yorker. And um, the article is entitled... The a grand dame of the perfume industry turns 95. Now, this article is about a woman named Annette Green. I had never heard of her before, but apparently she heavily influenced how we consume perfume as just the industry in general. So if you want to talk about a badass boss bitch, it's this lady. Uh, she lives in Gramercy Park. She's lived there for 40 years. She never married, so she's been on her own for 40 years, and she's just a powerhouse. Um, she started, you know, she, when she started working, um, she started off small, of course, um, and then she eventually uh, started her own PR agency, and one of the clients was the, whew, let me find it. Uh, the Fragrance Foundation. So this was what got her on the map. Um, <clears throat> apparently, the Fragrance Foundation um, was defunct. It was established in 1949. 
Um, it's a nonprofit organization uh, dedicated to promoting the perfume industry in the United States, according to The New Yorker. And uh, at the time that they hired her, uh, they were trying to revitalize themselves. And so that's what she did. And she is responsible for creating the concept of a fragrance wardrobe. So that is having, you know, rotating your scents based on season or mood or occasion, which so many people do today. I know I myself do it. I have all my perfume set up um, according to seasons, part, pretty much so I can kind of go through them quickly. But anyway, a lot of people do that. And she also is um, responsible for getting people to advertise uh, perfumes on scent strips and magazines. And um, yeah, so she's... That's awesome. Like I did, I never even heard of her name, but she's this huge influence in the perfume industry. She has a book out called Spritzing to Success, which I immediately put on my Goodreads want to read list. Um, she has, she owns over, well, she owns about a hundred bottles that she keeps in rotation to her. That's considered minimalist, which um, makes me feel better about my my collection looks minuscule compared to that so I can get down with that and she's just a very fashionable lady um, they mention despite the fact that she has never been married and she's been single she's still out and about like she's still doing stuff like she took like a tango opera class she hangs out with her friends um, she work at, works out she lifts looks like I said I like five pound weights but she lifts some weights and she just stays active and fabulous um and she's 95 years old so uh she's doing something right um I just thought it was very interesting I encourage you to read the full article on the New Yorker because she is really fascinating and just her imprint in the fragrance industry is remarkable um for one lady and it's it's very inspiring and I want to uh, meet her and I want to go in her house and just smell all of her perfume collections because I bet she's got some good ones. So that's that. Uh, the second two were just more celebrity released fragrances. Um, the first one is uh, Diesel Fragrances ha- is collaborating with um, Brazilian football star Neymar Jr. I thought, I guess that's his full name. Um, Maybe, I guess that's what he's known by. This is NPR Newswire. Um, I don't really know who the football player is. Um, it just says the collaboration reflects Diesel's fragrances vision of modern masculinity and bravery. It doesn't have a name yet, or it doesn't mention the name in this PR release, but it's coming out on uh, May 19th. And then Corrine Reutfeldt, Roydfield is um, she's coming out with a collection um, of seven luxury fragrance fragrances inspired by seven lovers, which I am kind of here for. I kind of I'm intrigued by that approach. This is on gettheglossgloss.com. I have there's a picture of her and she looks familiar, but I'm not really too familiar with her. I guess she was big in the fashion industry. So if you are a fashion enthusiast and or like work in that world whatever you have probably heard of her I guess she's a former editor of uh, Paris Vogue but yeah she um, is launching these are going to be exclusively on Netta Porter um, on May 6th but um, it's as I mentioned it's called Seven Lovers which is a collection inspired by seven unforgettable lovers in seven of Reutfeldt's most iconic cities 
Um, and I don't think she mentions, I don't know if she mentions the name. Well, it looks like she does on some of these bottles. It looks like one is George, um, which I'm here for. One looks like Vladimir. So, okay. So she named it after, it looks like, um, totally here for it. Love it. I'd be interested in smelling these. I wonder if she's going to be selling samples or if there are samples available. I'd buy them. I just like, and I just like the whole, I like a good story. And this intrigues me. Like I wouldn't, I want to want, I want to smell some of these and I, I want to know about the people behind it or the people that inspired it. I want to know all the juicy details. Like I, I like this. I like this uh, curation. So apparently it's floral scents, diverse range. Um, she's going to have ingredients like violet leaf, longjing tea, and jasmine. And, uh, yeah, apparently uh, there's going to be a 90 milliliter spray bottle. And then um, you can also have each individual fragrance in like a 10, meter, 10 milliliter spray bottle as well. And uh, they are coming out on May 6th. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Other than that, it's kind of a slow news week. But uh, I thought these were all pretty interesting, especially uh, Annette Green. Really, look up that New York article. It's really interesting. And check out her book. That's what I'm going to do. And that's it for this week's episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening. It's a shorter one this week, I know. Um, hopefully, the next couple of weeks, I'll have a little bit more meat to uh, the episodes. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you want to hook up with me online, hook up not in a sexual way, but just like connect with me, send me DMs, tell me if you if you hate the podcast and you want me to disappear off the face of the earth, whatever. Um, you can connect with me online. I have a blog, uh, thesnappyscribe.com. I write about non-fragrance related things on there. I'm also at Instagram at snappyscribe and on Facebook at thesnappyscribe. If you want to take the time, um, if you can spare the time, um, rate and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. I think it the more ratings and things like that I'll get, it'll help kind of boost this uh, podcast up um, so more people can see it. Thank you to those who have already submitted ratings. I am also including myself in that because I submitted my own review. Because you know what? If you can't write your own self a good review, then how can you expect anybody else to? But that's my my that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Um, anyway, I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope that whatever you're doing, you have fun, you are safe, and you do it smelling good. Bye. Frag Chat with the Fragrance Chick is hosted, edited, and recorded by yours truly, Sarah Chacon. Theme song is Around the Bend by Evan Schaefer.